Good morning and welcome to Warriors Lax Chat, episode four on Big Game Sports Radio. I'm Scott Squires and we're very pleased to be joined once again by the head coach of the Mi'kmaq Warriors based out of Toronto, Nova Scotia and members of the East Coast Junior Lacrosse League, Coach Brendan Smithson. Good morning, Coach. Morning, how are you doing? I am doing very well and uh, as I am a Newfoundlander originally, I'm always interested in what's going on over in my uh, province of birth, and I see out around Central Coach, they had about 30 centimeters of snow this morning, so uh, not in a mean way, but better them than us. <laughs> That's what I do like to say, I'd rather stay away from Nova Scotia, but it is quite interesting to see our weather these days, so yeah. it seems to change from province to province. It really does, and it can change, you can have the four, the old saying in the Maritimes in Atlantic Canada, right, is that you can have the four seasons in 24 hours, so it keeps it interesting for sure. Yeah, actually, everybody says that about the Maritimes, but having been multiple places across Canada, I think it's a pretty common thing across Canada. <laughs> we can own that as Canadians. And, and speaking of uh, interesting things and interesting patterns, uh, we're talking about weather, but it could also apply to the Mi'kmaq Warriors practice on Tuesday night. I had a chance to drop by Colchester Legion Stadium and uh, see you and the coaching staff running uh, the team through its paces. Uh, maybe just to break down, I know because you've had a bit of a break between games, this is the second practice that you've had since live game action, but maybe just break down a little bit about uh, what you were focusing on in practice on Tuesday. Um, so on Tuesday, we definitely again started to uh, put a lot of um, uh, cardio in there and did quite a bit of running with the team. Again, with a little bit of a break, we wanted to make sure that we were uh, kind of pushing them a little harder than we have. And, um, you know, our last couple of games, we've had some uh, challenges of focusing for the whole 60 minutes. So we wanted to put them through the paces and kind of push them um, as if it was like the third period in a one-goal game, knowing that the last time we played New Brunswick, it was really tight. So we definitely kept the pace of the practice up and a lot of uh, individual running for them. Uh, we also focused on our breakout. We had some challenges, uh, especially against the Hurricanes, uh, when we got doubled and trying to find people, and we wanted to uh, work on our players communicating more and, and finding ways to work it up the floor, which was uh, definitely one of the positives. And, of course, loose balls was one of our challenges in the last game, so um, we definitely focused on, on that piece as well. And, again, our four-on-four game, we had some uh, – Last, in our first four games, we noticed we had some uh, a lot of games against us when we were four-on-four, four, so we did a lot of four-on-four four work. Um, the way our defense is set up, it actually has a slide position, which um, helps when there's five, but as soon as we lose that slide position, because uh, in the cross, when there's coincidental penalties, they both serve and we go four-on-four, four, um, we've had some challenges, so we really try to focus on that and the idea of movement by the offense and uh, keeping that going as well. Um, the last piece for the offense was we worked on quick sticks, um, we had a lot of passes that were cross crease um, to a guy wide open on the crease and we just couldn't connect on the quick stick to uh, put it in the back of the net. And we know that there's going to be those opportunities this weekend and we want to make sure that we finish on them this time around. Now, I know that uh, one of the drills that you did was uh, train related. Now, I saw a tweet that the Mi'kmaq Warriors <laughs> Twitter account sent out talking about how Truro is the hub town and has a rich history of rail travel and Maybe just the uh, the comparison between uh, the, the trains of Truro and that train drill that you were doing, because there was one drill where the guys were kind of, uh, or the team was kind of uh, circling the boards of Colchester Legion Stadium, and about two or three minutes in, I was just on the bench watching, and I was getting winded, coach. <laughs> 
Yeah, the train is a, is a cardio drill and uh, it's endurance. It's also focused on teamwork. Um, so the idea behind the drill is um, the boys are lined up against the wall uh, facing forward. Um, on the, when we say go, they'll start uh, jogging in one direction. Um, the guy who's at the back of the line has to sprint to the front. Once he's made it to the front, then the next person goes, and they continue doing that all the way around the board. So the idea is kind of simulating, obviously, the endurance of the game um, and as well the, the sprinting that happens when a loose ball happens or you have to catch somebody or there's a breakout, so all of a sudden you have to kickstart into gear um, just, just at, at a moment's notice. The other piece to the team is the way that it works is as the person goes to the front, they control the pace. Um, and so often you'll have a, a very young person who goes a little faster than everyone else and they have to work together to keep, to keep no gaps in there. Um, and so that's just a, a part of our team building and, and bringing everybody together. So, Well, there was one point uh, during that drill where, because you were kind of standing out in the middle of the floor and, and you called over to everybody that was going through uh, the paces and you said, okay, water, I don't think I've ever seen a group of teens so excited about getting some water coach. They were right over there. <laughs> yeah, and like they did the train for about, I think it was seven minutes. Um, usually we can get them up to about 20 by the time the season's done. It's, uh, it's about cardio, but it's, uh, it's a long endurance part. And of course, um, you know, having that sprint involved, if they just had to jog for 20 minutes, they'd probably be able to pull it off. But putting that sprint in there all of a sudden uh, puts a little, trains a different uh, system in their body. So, um, that's one of the challenges that they have, and that's why we focused on that. Um, we've had some challenges in the second finding our wind, and so that's why we wanted to put that drill in. Um, and they are definitely exhausted by the time it's done. Uh, we have some of them that can't even make, uh, you know, the full seven minutes, and as we tell them, we want them to just keep walking around the rink. And uh, we also actually made our goalies do it this time just to add some fun to it. Um, I'm not sure they're a fan of me anymore, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was there, and I was actually uh... – shooting a little bit of footage as well. And I was standing uh, on the bench right by the boards. And when your crew of goalies came by, all I could uh, think was, man, look, like you could, so much equipment, that's got to be tough. But listen, I'll give credit to the goalies. They stuck it out. They weren't at quite the same pace as uh, the rest of the team, but I got to give credit to your goaltenders, coach. They stuck together in a little group, and uh, they got through it. That what does that say about uh, your group? Well, and part of the drill is around the the team camaraderie and the team building, and you could see it within the goalies and with all the other else. We split the offensive defense up, um, and then pushing each other to keep pushing through. Um, you know that's what we need in our games. We you know when it gets tough, we've had some goals scored on us in the last two minutes of periods, and um, you know, when it gets tough and you're tired, it's hard to think and make the right decisions, but we need to work through that together as a group. And that's one thing we've been preaching uh, since our last game. And so that was the idea. It shows their strength and their heart and their commitment to each other. Uh, since we started with the Warriors, we have preached a, a family atmosphere and it just shows that they don't leave anybody behind and that's important to them. And, uh, you know, if we're not all as one, that we're not going to move forward. So that's something that we're really proud of our boys for going through. And uh, I got to tell you, our, our goalie not complaining at all is quite impressive because I know how much work that is on them. Uh, but they just do the drills that they're asked to do and they do it as best they can. And, and that's all we ever ask is you work as hard as you can and keep going uh, as long as you can. Something else after going through the first part of the practice and then kind of that cardio endurance drill, 
Then the team got really excited toward the last 10 minutes or so when you and the coaching staff told them that you were going to finish up with uh, the next drill that I'm going to talk about. And I was on the bench and a bunch of the guys were there. And when you told them they were going to be doing this drill, a couple of the players turned to me and said, oh, you're going to want to make sure that you get this, like recording it, because this is our most competitive drill. The drill is called five ball. What can you tell us about five ball and why it's such a competitive drill and what you hope or what the team can really gain from doing that drill? Um, so five ball is a drill that uh, a few of the other teams use in the league. And uh, what happens is we break the team into two different teams. So there's one on one bench, one on the other. Um, we line up five balls on pretty much where the blue line would be. Uh, we call them our straining lines in the cross. Um, and what happens is each team's goal is to score all five balls. So um, on the whistle, the first player from each bench runs out, grabs the first ball, and goes towards the goalie that they're assigned to. Um, if they score, the next person comes out and grabs the second ball. If they don't score, the, person, the next person comes out from the bench and has to grab the ball that's still live. Um, and so the idea is to score, be the first team to score all five goals, and it's always a competition between each other. Um, it works on our breakaway skills. It works on our team camaraderie. It's a lot of fun. It's also quite – it turns out to be quite an endurance piece because um, we don't let the next guy go until they've sprinted to the bench, which is one of our things that we always work on once we've lost the ball, sprinting to the bench, and once we've had it, that you sprint to the bench as well. And so they have to sprint to the bench to get the next guy out. Um, and it's also a lot of shots for our goalies, which is uh, always uh, always fun for them. Um, and our goalies even kind of enjoy the challenge against each other. So – this time in practice, we changed it up a little bit, and we decided to do offense versus defense, um, which you would assume would be pretty simple, that the O should be scoring all the goals, but they actually tied 1-1. Uh, each one won in one of the games, so um, that always makes it more fun when they get to play against each other. Um, and, of course, the neat part is a lot of them, one of our um, goalies that's out there is actually the midget goalie, and uh, his coach is actually on our team, so there's always a rivalry between them if, they, if uh, who can score and who can't. And a lot of them have been teammates for a long time. So it's a one opportunity to um, prove that they can score on him. And it's always exciting. Yeah, you know what? I thought the uh, the defensive side uh, held their own in that drill. And, and you could yeah. tell that there was some definite competition there. So it was good to see the the, the folks back on D getting a little bit of the glory, Coach. How, how much did you like seeing that? It's always great when the defensive guys get those glory. And surprisingly, the drill actually works very well for them in the fact that the defensive guys are the ones who will pick up a loose ball and possibly get a breakaway. So um, those are the situations that we're trying to look for. So we want to give them those kind of opportunities. Um, we've had a, through, a few throughout the season. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's worked out really well for them. Um, so that's, that's really positive. But um, it's really great for the D guys. They don't, you know, especially in the junior system where they only play defense and they don't go up the floor, um, it can often be challenging for them to get those opportunities. So when they get an opportunity in five ball, especially when they get to play the offense, uh, there's a lot of chatter. And if you come in the room after, after the practice, they, I think they were still uh, uh, chatting each other up and next time who's going to get who. So I think we're going to have to run that one again against the O versus D. <laughs> you might have to keep a, a... – a whiteboard in the dressing room with a running tally of, uh, of the O versus D in that drill throughout the year. And it was kind of neat to see, you know, that kind of a drill, you know, gives uh, some of the players an opportunity to be a little bit creative when they're coming in on goal. And there was one player in particular when I was shooting this video that had a couple of pretty nifty moves when they were going in uh, on that five ball drill. 
And there was one goal that he scored where he kind of faked one way, faked behind the back, faked the other way and scored. Got a big cheer from the rest of the team. Then when he came back to the bench, he had a big smile on his face and he said, old school shenanigans, baby. How much do you <laughs> coaching staff like seeing the, the team have that much fun? After, a, especially after a hard practice, like we ran them through, um, it's really important for them to see, to have that kind of fun. Um, even though it's competitive, it, it's still competitive amongst ourselves and, and a lot of fun. Um, it gives them, it reminds them about the game is about having a good time and, and enjoying it. Um, and even though we work hard, there's still a point that, you know, we love the game and, and I love, I do this, uh, not for the wins or anything like that, but to see those moments and those smiles on their face, um, to what the actual game means to them. Um, because it's, it's really important that they have that, uh, that opportunity to be able to do that. And, um, it really means a lot when we get to see those smiles and games like that, plus the, the three on three game that we did the last time, you, you see a lot of those smiles and they get to quite enjoy themselves and, um, you know, through all the, the pressures that they have through school and work and, and things at home and, and the game, it's nice to have a moment where they just get to enjoy um, the game, enjoy their teammates, and have some fun while they're doing it. Now, Coach, you're going to have to help me out a little here because these guys, these players, way younger than I am, so when he came back to the bench at that particular moment and said old school shenanigans, I'm wondering if his old school is way different than mine. What are old school shenanigans in lacrosse, coach? Can can you think of what he was referring to? Is it like the the kind of the fake moves, the the magic moves in front? Can you make even a guess of what his version of old school shenanigans is? Because I was curious. Well, his old school shenanigans was um, he pulled a he pulled the he was following the mighty ducks where he pulled three fakes and then he shot behind the back. So that was his old school shenanigans and the fact that he pulled the triple deke Hi. in his mind. Um, so they are a little bit younger than we are, so their old school shenanigans are not as old school, um, but they still have fun making their own. Uh, we have a few that have a few nicknames for their, their special moves that they pull in five ball. Um, it's always entertaining when they come up with one because as soon as they tell everybody what it is, I think the goalies try harder to stop that because they're all excited to stop the special move and they get to make fun of them in the dressing room as well. So it goes both ways. I'm extremely disappointed in myself that I didn't connect the dots on the Mighty Ducks and the old school shenanigans with, with the triple deke, but that's why you're here, Coach, to help me out. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I gotta, it, it's always interesting when they come up with the name and they tell me what it is. I'm like, wow, that's totally not what it is, but in your mind, that's great. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so you have that practice. You know, you, you ran through a lot of different things, and, and at the end, it, it seemed that everybody – felt really good about the practice and was kind of focusing their energy toward this Saturday. You guys are making the trip uh, up to New Brunswick in Hampton, which is just outside of St. John. You're going to be taking on the New Brunswick Mavericks. You look at the standings, Coach, uh, all teams to this point now have played four games, and yourselves and the Mavericks uh, are tied after four games, and uh, at least in the tiebreaker right now head-to-head, you've got the advantage because you did beat the Mavericks What's going to be a couple of keys for you guys to go up there on the road and to get a second win against the Mavericks this season? Well, two of the big keys against the Mavericks, the Mavericks are definitely a different team when, uh, when they're at home. And uh, one of the big things that we talked about at the end of practice was that we need to get off to a quick start. Um, the Mavericks are playing for the first time actually in Hampton. Um, and there's a couple of big tournaments going on right around that arena 
So I know they're going to have a very good crowd, and uh, it's going to be very loud and electric, and it's going to be important to weather that first 10 minutes uh, and not get behind early on and, and, and come at them hard. Um, that's also some, that's something that we, we've been preaching the last couple games and we've done very well. Um, the second piece is coming out of the second, uh, the second period, the first 10 minutes. In the last couple of games, we've struggled coming out of the second. It's where we have the longer change um, and making sure that we're, we're coming out hard again, first and second, and, and keeping them in check because we've got to keep the uh, crowd out of the game, especially when you're in Moncton. Um, and I think with those things, and if our offense can uh, kind of find their groove a little bit, uh, if we're strong in the loose balls, I think we'll have a, a great game with them. Moncton is definitely, uh, or the Mavericks are a solid team, and, and they're really strong. They do take quite a few penalties, so we're open to have our power play connect a little bit um, and just keep building from the momentum that we had last time. Just to make sure our guys aren't overconfident and, and playing with some, some confidence, but uh, playing hard. Well, definitely an important game. I know it's only early in the season, but uh, with four of the five teams making the playoffs, every game takes on importance and certainly points. Uh, very important indeed to get into that win column. Uh, before we move on and, and talk maybe just in general about the league itself through the first four games, something that we started on the last Warriors Lax Chat uh, podcast was featuring a player or doing a player profile on each broadcast to kind of give the fans a little bit of insight as to who the players are and to get to know them a little bit because one of the things that really endears a team to a community is when you get to know who the players are and you know a little bit about them. For this particular uh, episode, Coach, uh, what player would you like to talk about and give a little detail of uh, from the Warriors? Um, so I wanted to stick a little bit with our defense again. We talk a lot about our O a little bit. And uh, one of our senior players who's actually in his final season uh, he's from Truro, is actually Tyler Douglas. Um, Tyler Douglas has been with us since the start for four years and probably one of the anchors on our defense with uh, Connor Sabatis we talked about last time. The interesting part about Tyler um, that we always talk about is I was just having a conversation with the Dartmouth Bandits and uh, they were talking about one of their players who is uh, one of those guys that no coach would ever notice that he was on the floor, but he just does his job absolutely perfectly and nobody gets by him. And Tyler's that guy. He, has no, he doesn't have a flashy type of game, but he just does the most solid on everything. Nobody gets by him. He plays completely hard. He's strong on the loose balls. Um, the interesting part to Tyler that we always, uh, we always joke about with Tyler is for some, one of those stats that don't get tracked in our league that is, 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 uh, comes to be important is I'm almost positive that every year Tyler has led the league in block shots. Now, for anybody who's seen lacrosse, the ball is made of hard Indian rubber and Usually when you get a hockey player out there, they, they try to block a shot and then they get hit with it. And we tell them that's why we have a goalie because they make saves and we get out of the way. For some reason, Tyler has the most perfect body position on defense, but he must get hit with at least nine to 10 shots a game, um, which our goalies absolutely love. I'm not sure Tyler enjoys it because he has to go to work the next day. Um, but his commitment to the defensive side and his body position um, is a real anchor under defense. And he's that guy, if he came to our game, um, you would probably never notice him, um, but he does his job amazingly, game in and game out, and one of the leaders on the back end. He's not a, um, a person who's – he's a man of a few words in the dressing room, uh, but he's always a guy that he will go out in any moment uh, and play with his heart and play everything uh, that we need, and he's what we kind of embody with our family um, on the defensive side. Well, it's interesting that you mention, you know, in that uh... – Maybe he doesn't get a lot of the notoriety or, or not one of the, uh, you know, the players that 
is uh, noticed, if you will, one of the unsung heroes. But in any team sport, and especially in a game like lacrosse, during the regular season, maybe not as much. But when you get into the playoffs and things tighten up and defense really starts to come to the forefront, it's those kind of players, those kind of unsung heroes that night in, night out, play the game, know that where they're supposed to be positionally, they're so sound, and they know the nuts and bolts of the position, if you will, that becomes so valuable. How much have you talked to Tyler about that, and how much are you looking to him to kind of be a leader in terms of the defensive side and to kind of bring the younger guys along? Because you do have, as we've talked about in other podcasts, you do have some young guys on that team. So, I mean, we talked to Tyler a little bit about his role, but um, uh, not not a huge amount because Tyler accepts his role and, and knows exactly where it is. Um, we've asked him to take on a little bit more of a leadership role in the fact that he's a, a graduating senior. We used him as an example with a lot of our younger kids, especially on the defensive side. In, in junior A lacrosse, we have defensive players and offensive players. So once the other team has the ball, we send out five guys. And then once we have the ball, we send it to different five guys. And usually the offense and defense don't cross very often. They're kind of set where you are. You have an opportunity through your years to move up to offense. Um, but, of course, the best part of the game is scoring goals. And when they were, when everybody played in the, in the minor league, they went offense and defense. They played both ways. So he's one of the people that we use as our model of owning their position. Um, sometimes players are not as happy to be defensive players. They don't see that they're the glory players. Um, you know, that they'd like to get those opportunities for goals. But, you know, a person like Tyler who, who really owns the defensive end and plays his role and everything is for the team is the model that we like to preach to our younger kids and, and those opportunities. Um, he, Tyler, you know, where he gets to get his opportunities is he does our face-offs and he also does the short man. So, um, you know, that's where he kind of gets his perks for his play that he does. Um, he's on our top short man line and our number one face-off line and the defense. So every opportunity we get, Tyler is the guy on the floor, um, along with a few of our other guys, but he's one of the leaders back there. And throughout the season, as the younger guys see the extra time that he gets based on his commitment, his work ethic, um, and his commitment to the position and the, the team, his, his overall goal is to win games. It's not about his points or his stats. Um, the boys start to understand that and, and understand what it takes to be a family uh, and what it takes to get through in a junior A season. That's a really long season. As you said, as we get down to the playoffs um, and those runs and in the playoffs, defense is everything. And t- players like Tyler are the ones that we lean on um, to move ourselves forward. And, and we preach that with the other players that this is exactly what we need from you um, and, and that kind of commitment. And uh, honestly, this year we've really seen it in our defense. Um, they've really committed to being defensive players and being part of that. We've talked about in the future, you'll get opportunities to play O, um, and they're okay with that. Um, and it's, it's great to see um, Tyler being one of the leaders in the back end, especially with Connor Sabayos, who I talked about last time. Um, it gives those two guys that uh, everybody's able to look up to. And those character players are so very important. And, Coach, you're mentioning that Tyler is from uh, locally here in Truro. That got me to thinking just quickly, you know, outside of the um, the Mi'kmaq Warriors, which of course are a junior A team with the East Coast Junior Lacrosse League, what are some of the feeder systems in and around the local Truro area that you get your younger players from in terms of the minor lacrosse system here and around Truro and Colchester? So in Truro, they do have the Truro uh, Minor Lacrosse Association, which we have a very strong partnership um, with. Uh, a lot of our players help coach down there and we run some clinics for them. 
We have some board members, um, other areas that we help try to groom the next generation of warriors coming up. Um, so that covers all of Colchester. Um, so anybody within the Col Colchester County area would be able to play for them. And we have some really great younger teams and excited about the future coming up. Uh, we also have a strong partnership with Pictou County Lacrosse. So they play um, usually out of the Trenton Arena. They play there in the Wellness Center a couple times as well. Um, and there's a partnership that we built, and uh, we have Cameron McLean and Carter Hatfield from the Picto area. Um, Picto is a bit of a newer association. They're probably in about their seventh year. Um, that's another area that we try to work with as much as possible, and it's great to have some role models for kids to look up to. And then also as well, we, because of our uh, closeness to them, I know it doesn't sound like it's close, but we do work quite closely with Cape Breton Lacrosse. We do have some players from there that help at the, the younger level and bring up the new generation. Um, and try to see them as themselves as warriors, um, and they've only been around for five years. So a couple of the, the newer associations are the ones that we work with, but we've really spent a lot of time in the last four years working with their minor systems and, and showing them how we implement our systems to help grow their coaching staff and, and their players' knowledge as, as they move up through the system, and even show them that there is an opportunity to play junior A. There's some kids that that's not of interest to them, and that's not a problem. Um, but we want, if they, ha if they have a drive and they have the interest to do so, we want to make sure the opportunity is available for them. Uh, and we really uh, preach that to them. And we've often tried to do um, some training camps up there and stuff so that we can get them more engaged. Well, that's great. And I mean, lacrosse is such a great game and, you know, such a part of the fabric of Canadian society. It's, it's great to see those grassroots level organizations and, and to see, something like the East Coast Junior Lacrosse League give a, an option for these younger minor players to move on. Talking about the East Coast Junior Lacrosse League, Coach, of course, you're the head coach of the Mi'kmaq Warriors, but you also have a, a big role with the uh, East Coast Junior Lacrosse League itself. I know it's only four games in, but uh, as you look across the league and what's transpired so far with the Dartmouth Bandits, Halifax Hurricanes, Sackville Sports Wheel Wolves, the New Brunswick Mavericks, and of course yourselves, the Mi'kmaq Warriors, what are a couple of things that have stood out to you through the early portion of the East Coast Junior Lacrosse League season? Um, the league has got off to an absolutely excellent start. Um, you know, after a little bit of turmoil of losing a team about a month away, um, there's been a lot of positives. One of the challenges that we've had in the past is uh, a little bit of league parity. Um, and seeing, you know, the scores, and even though there are two teams at the top and, and three teams that are tied at the bottom, um, the scores have not been lopsided. They've been very close. Um, and it's nice to see everybody getting those opportunities. Um, so we started to bring the parity of the league back uh, closer to where it should be, which is really important for, you know, our fans and, and everybody involved with the league. They quite enjoy that. We also spent a lot of time in the offseason focusing on a bit of the professional look of the league. Um, so we made sure that all games have O Canada, the Mi'kmaq Honor Song, the Acknowledging Mi'kmaq Territory, um, you know, teams look professional when they're on the floor. And, We've received a lot of positive comments about that, uh, which I think is extremely important. And uh, we're really excited about it. A lot of the fans are enjoying what they're seeing, which, you know, if they're not enjoying what we're seeing, the game isn't the same without our fans. So it's really important to provide that for them. Um, as well, we've, um, we've also spent a lot of time on uh, developing a relationship with officials. I know our coaches won't always agree that the officials do a good job because it's challenging when you're playing. But um, I really believe we've come a little bit closer on uh, – you know, working together to, to make things easier. Um, you know, the officials have a really tough job of, of making those, those judgment calls when they have to, and I think they've done a, a great job of being a little closer on their calls and, and, and uh, 
it's more similar between referees. Everybody's a little bit different in how they call things. That's understandable, but they've uh, they've increased the speed of the game, which is what we were really looking for. And, and I think there's been a lot of positive comments to me from the coaches, and we're excited to see that part. So some great things moving forward with the league. I think this is only step one of uh, three or four. Um, the other big piece that's happened this year is um, there's a Founders Cup, which is actually the national championship for uh, Junior B across Canada. In the last couple of years, Nova Scotia has had a challenge to try to put that team together. Um, the league took on that process this year in partnership with across Nova Scotia. And we've uh, gone as a more club approach. And so the Dartmouth Bandits have been the team selected that is, um, will be attending the national championships, which is in August in Seneca, New York. Um, but they also have the ability to pick up players from across the league because we're considered a Tier 3, which is an all-star team. So um, they're right now in the process of kind of grabbing some players from uh, some of the teams. And I heard from the coach last night, and there's a few of our players that they're quite interested in. So um, hopefully our boys will get the opportunity to do that, which we're quite excited about. So um, it's really great to see those four things moving forward in our league. And I know um, stepping in in January, those were some of our priorities. And I know they're not perfect yet, but I really think they're moving in the right direction. And I've heard that from teams and not even teams. The more important part to me is I've heard that from fans. And uh, it's exciting when, uh, you know, fans are giving us the same feedback because they see a much different game than we do. So, Well, the Founders Cup is a tremendous tournament and uh, very historic within Canadian championships and certainly at the lacrosse level. I was fortunate to do play-by-play for the Founders Cup a couple of years ago when it was uh, hosted in Halifax and games were at the Halifax Forum and I know I don't need to tell you this, Coach, but my goodness, the level of skill of all the teams that were there. There were a couple of First Nations teams out of Ontario, a couple from down in the eastern part of the U.S. And uh, it was absolutely fantastic lacrosse, as exciting action as you'll see anywhere. So uh, that's got to be pretty exciting for uh, Nova Scotia to be able to uh, to send this team down and to represent uh, down at the Founders' Cup in Seneca, New York, as you mentioned, August 13th to 19th. Um, I guess just from a personal level, how excited are, are you uh, for what's transpired? And to, uh, I mean, you never, you never want to wish time away, but just how excited are you personally to see this Founders' Cup uh, in August? It's, uh, it's, gonna, it's very exciting for the league um, and, and moving that direction. As I mentioned, we've, you know, Nova Scotia's had a challenge to kind of get a team together ever since we've hosted. Um, you know, just kind of going through those lows and highs of it. And I think we've found a new strategy which um, has excited the players. And to see the players' excitement about going is what's the important part. Um, going to these tournaments uh, for any of our players helps develop their lacrosse. Um, as you said, it's, it's some of the best players in Canada in one area. And to be able to play against those, no matter what the score is, it, it helps your game and, and understanding um, how to play the game and, and improve you when you come back. So it only helps um, only helps our game as, as a league move forward as our, our players attend these things. Um, so it's important to uh, make sure that we're at those and uh, quite a lot of interest out there, which is exciting. And it's actually the first time it's been in New York. So we're, uh, well, I know a lot of our players are very excited about that. And I'm very excited to see how this new approach goes um, with the league and excited for our players that are able to attend. And obviously the Dartmouth organization as I mentioned in previous podcasts, is one of the pinnacle associations that we have. And it's great for them to be able to be the lead on this and kind of represent. And we're looking at other ones doing it in the future, but uh, it's great for them to take the lead on that. Well, just kind of an anecdote or a side note to that uh, Founders Cup that I covered a couple of years ago. One of the coolest things that I remember about that tournament was the great support 
that the teams got from family and friends uh, traveling with the teams and being in attendance uh, at the Halifax Forum. And there were a couple of teams, I remember, when they'd be out on the floor doing their warm-ups, I had to do a double-take because there were some kids, Coach, I'm not even kidding, five and six years old, that were out, and the stick skills that these kids had, all I remember thinking was, man, these teams are going to be stocked in the player pipeline for years because these little kids, five and six, are freaking me out right now how good they are. How exciting is it uh, to kind of see the youth like that and, and these little kids that are so in tune with the game, you know, helping to, to keep lacrosse alive? You know, the, the next generation uh, is something we talk about at our board level and I know at the lacrosse Nova Scotia level as, as well, the importance of them um, engaging with the game and loving the game and being part of it. Um, lacrosse, uh, I sometimes equate to skateboarding and the fact that the stick is something that they always have in, uh, in their hand. Um, and it's great to see that I actually got to attend the field national championship and during one of we were playing uh, the Iroquois team and during one of our intermissions they had uh, I think it was a, a three four and five year old that were actually practicing their crease dive which I don't think half of our players could pull off a crease dive uh, and just amazing to see the connection that some of the youth have with the sport and how important that is um, and to me I, I always enjoy seeing it because it's a reminder of why I do this um, you know, our positions on the board and as coaches are volunteers, um, and we do this for the next generation, the youth, because they love the game. Um, so that's it's always great to see that, and it brings a smile to everybody's face. And I know what happened when we were in uh, our national championship, our whole team paused for a moment and go, oh, my God, I think we better sign that three-year-old because I think he's going to uh, score some goals for us right now. So um, it's always exciting, and the players love it too. Well, listen, Coach, uh... That's going to be an exciting time for sure in August down in Seneca, New York. But uh, much closer to uh, now is your game on Saturday up in Hampton, New Brunswick. Two o'clock Atlantic time. You're taking on the New Brunswick Mavericks. We wish you safe travels up and back and uh, good luck in that game on Saturday. Go get a W, Coach. Perfect. Thank you, sir. And we'll talk to you next week. We will indeed. All the best. And again, safe travels to you. That was Coach Brendan Smithson. From the Mi'kmaq Warriors, they are a team in the East Coast Junior Lacrosse League. And they have a game this Saturday up in Hampton, New Brunswick, taking on the New Brunswick Mavericks. A very important game for both of these teams early in the season. Would encourage you to follow the Mi'kmaq Warriors on Twitter as well as Facebook and online through their website. And as well, follow the East Coast Junior Lacrosse League on social media and their website as well for schedule stats and all good things to know about junior a lacrosse in this region thank you very much again to coach and i'm scott squires and remember if you'd like to sponsor the podcast you can reach me at firm foundation media at gmail.com this has been big game sports radio and this was warriors lax chat episode four we'll see you next time and remember if you can't take part in sport be a good one anyway Bye for now.